In 2021, we completed a three-part podcast series addressing the scriptural position regarding burial. The series covered the symbolism of burial, as well as attitudes to both burial and cremation. When we say attitudes, it is not just Jewish attitudes, but God's attitude that must be taken into consideration. What is God's attitude towards burial? Notice this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon a tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that the land be not defiled, which Yahweh thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Even someone who has committed such a transgression that he receives the death sentence is to be buried. The scripture calls the offender an accursed by the Almighty, yet the same law that orders his death also orders him to be buried. Just because someone is wicked is not an excuse. It's not a reason to deprive them of a proper burial. Based on guidelines in the scriptures, both Christianity and Judaism have traditionally advocated for burial and opposed cremation. The ongoing war in Israel against Hamas terrorists has highlighted, in a most emphatic and dramatic way, Israel's stance on burial. 144 days ago, Islamic terrorists attacked innocent Israeli civilians, brutally raping, dismembering, and incinerating hundreds of women, elderly, and children. As Israel mobilized its military, the IDF, to destroy the terrorists, another regiment, a regiment of a very different nature, activated to address another urgent need. Zaka is a volunteer organization headquartered in Israel, dedicated to retrieving victims and identifying and burying their bodies. These volunteers rushed to the villages that had been attacked and working under fire started their mission. The volunteers searched to recover all body parts, even after explosions they've done this. Zakas considers it a holy mission to provide burials. Zaka is an acronym in Hebrew for Disaster Victim Identification. The organization was founded 35 years ago in response to a terrorist attack on bus line 405. In Israel, the organization is called Chesed Shel Emet, or Kindness with Truth. It's a reference to the fact that burying the dead is considered one of the greatest acts of kindness that you can do for someone because they cannot repay you for the act of kindness. Zaka operates internationally to assist in the aftermath of terror attacks and natural disasters. While most of its thousand volunteers are Orthodox Jews, there are over 1,000 Bedouin, Muslim, and Druze members. Zaka volunteers provided help after 2008 Mumbai, India terrorist attacks, as well as after numerous earthquakes, including the 2004 Indian Ocean, 2010 Haiti, and 2011 Japanese earthquakes. In Western societies where cremation is considered an acceptable option, the work of Zaka seems foreign. We're not going to address all the scriptures that we were covered in the earlier podcasts. Today, we'll focus on one aspect of this very sensitive theme. The volunteers go to great lengths to provide a burial for people whose bodies are no longer intact. Are there any examples in the Bible that touch on this issue? Yes, there are. First, turn with me to the first book of Samuel. At the end of this book, King Saul was fighting against the Philistines. Archers hit Saul with arrows, inflicting what appeared to be a near-lethal wound. 
First Samuel chapter 31, verses 3 through 6 record, And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men that same day together. King Saul was dead, and what happened next is appalling. Verses 9 and 10 tell us, And they, the Philistines, cut off his head and stripped off his armor, and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among their people. They put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshean. The enemy decapitated Saul's lifeless body. But the story doesn't end there. Notice verses 11 through 13. When the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshean and came to Jabesh and burned them there. They took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. The men of Jabesh-Gilead risked their lives to ensure that King Saul had a burial. Even though Saul's body was no longer intact, they risked their lives to bury him. Even though Saul had committed multiple sins at the end of his life, including attempting to kill his faithful servant David, as well as his own son Jonathan, the men risked their lives to bury him. Even though King Saul had consulted the witch of Endor the day before his death, the men of Jabesh-Gilead risked their lives to bury him. Even though King Saul appears to have taken his own life, the men of Jabesh-Gilead risked their lives to bury this man. That is a testimony to how important they considered a proper burial. At first reading of this account, it appears that Saul's body was burned prior to the burial of his bones. This may have occurred, but as we discussed in part three of our prior bo- pro- podcast, the burning may refer to the custom of burning spices, as mentioned in Second Chronicles chapter 16 and 21. Again, the main focus of today's study is that even though Saul's body was severely disfigured, he was given the honor of a burial. In fact, we read the following in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 12 through 14. And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, which had stolen them from the street of Bethshean, where the Philistines had hanged them, when the Philistines had slain Saul and Gilboa. And he brought from thence the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, and they gathered the bones of them that were hanged. And the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, buried they in the country of Benjamin and Zelah, in the sepulcher of Kish, his father, and they performed all that king, the king commanded. After that, God was entreated for the land. David considered it a priority to provide a proper bearer for Saul, so he moved Saul's bones to the family sepulcher. Next, we'll consider the death of Queen Jezebel, as recorded in 2 Kings chapter 4. The scriptures describe Jezebel as an extremely wicked individual. The scriptures record prophecies that Jezebel's body would be like dung on the face of the earth and that dogs would eat her body. Jehu had been instructed by the prophet to slay the rulers of the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern tribes of Israel, including Jezebel. In an uncomfortably descriptive passage, the queen is thrown out of a tower to her death, and Jehu tramples Jezebel with his horse. Afterwards, Jehu instructed his men, in verse 34, Go, see now this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. It appears that only a few pieces of the queen's body were found, as prophesied. 
The Almighty stated the Queen's level of wickedness had reached such an extreme level that she did not warrant a burial. But focus for a moment on Jehu's intent. He said that Jezebel is the daughter of a king, and she must be buried. Jezebel was not Jewish, but Jehu thought a burial was the only option, even though he knew that the queen's body was greatly disfigured. Did Jehu think that it was only Jezebel's position as a daughter of a king that warranted her a burial? Perhaps. Consider that we, as followers of Yeshua, are children of the king, and we are worthy of a burial. One last example that we will look at involves the war at the end of the world. The closing chapters of the book of Ezekiel describe a temple that will, will be built in the Messianic era. Prior to the building of that temple, Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 describe the nations of Gog and Magog leading an attack on the children of Israel. The Almighty will intervene and defend Israel. God will destroy the invaders. Ezekiel chapter 39 Verses 11 through 16 record, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea, and it shall stop the noses of the passengers. And there they shall bury Gog and all his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of Haman Gog. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them, that they may cleanse the land. Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be to them a renown that day, and I shall be glorified, saith Adonai Yahweh. They shall sever out men of continual employment, passing through the land to bury with the passengers, those that remain in the face of the earth, to cleanse it. After the end of seven months shall they search. And the passengers that pass through the land, when any seeth a man's bones, they shall set a sign upon it, till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamangog. And also the name of the city shall be Hamona. Thus shall they cleanse the land. Notice, first of all, that the people who are being buried here are involved in the war at the end of the age. They are attacking God's people, and God himself destroys them. They're not Jewish, yet God still commands a burial for them. The scriptures say that they will be buried over the course of seven months. Whenever anyone finds a bone, they'll flag it so it can be buried by those who have the assignment of burying the dead. What condition are these bodies in after seven months? Surely they're severely decomposed. Perhaps some have nothing more than the bones because of wild animals and insects and bacteria destroying the body. Yet God says they will be buried. The scriptures make God's attitude of burial quite clear. Similarly, the scriptures provide clear guidance that even if a person's body has been disfigured, burial should be performed. The current war in Israel has highlighted many of the differences between the Jewish people and the terrorists. The sacredness of burying a person who is made in the image of God is one of those differences.